Hello out there. Welcome to episode 226 of the Alamo Audible Podcast, brought to you by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host, Jared Kalmas, joined by my coach, Adrian Bermudez. And uh, we are back from the bi-week blues, mm. as we just called it, off air. And yeah, we're ready to take a look around the AC a little bit over the bye week uh, and also preview a the first game in AAC history for wow. the UTSA Roadrunners. Wow. Wow, that's the right. High, the hype level is so much lower than I thought it would be. It is <laughs> unbelievably, it is unbelievably low, Jared. And, and I can't lie, I am guilty. I am guilty of having low hype myself. Um, but you're going to be traveling to Philadelphia for the Temple Action. That's right. So I'd imagine right, you've yeah. got some hype going on there in the, in the yeah. stomach, a little butterfly chirp. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the trip as a whole, but I'm excited about the game too. I mean... I do think that this is as good of a post bye week bounce back kind of opponent as you can mm. get. Mm. So I, I'm not expecting some amazing performance from UTSA that's going to have everyone, you know, back on the bandwagon, so to speak, and, you know, predicting a conference championship or anything like that. But I do think the Roadrunners will play well and they'll look, you know, much better than we've seen these past two games. We've certainly got the benefit of the schedule coming out of the bye week. And so. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be on the East Coast. It's going to be a little bit chilly out there. We're going to have to see what Temple's got to give us. But yes, bye week Saturday was a fantastic day for American Athletic Conference football. It was, it was opening conference weekend, if you will. UTSA not able to be in that party. But I sure hope all the boys were in their dorms, in their apartments, maybe at the race facility, locked in to the full Saturday game slate because we learned – Jared, a hell of a lot about our conference opponents this past Saturday. Yeah, we did. I, I wouldn't say it was a great week for the AAC in the sense that the conference looked all that impressive or the games were like particularly fun to watch. But from a UTSA fan sitting at home on the bye week trying to figure out what these teams are like, couldn't have asked for a better week. I mean, I think pretty much all of the opponents were in action that I can think of. I'm probably missing one or two. Um, and they all played at different times. So you could kind of mm-hmm. jump and juggle between them to catch a you know, a half of, of each team or a full game or whatever. Um, and I don't know about you, Adrian, but I watched a lot of American football this week. And it was, it was a blast just sit on the couch and just appreciate these like ESPN2 broadcast and these ESPN <laughs> broadcast and not have to deal with like, you know, the crappy school produced uh, ESPN plus stream. Uh, so that was really nice. A lot easier to preview your conference competition when all the games are on an ESPN family channel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. But I agree with you totally, man. I think that's my one big takeaway coming away from this Saturday slate of American conference action is that there's a lot of parity in this league. And it's looking like there's a lot of teams that could beat any other team on any given Saturday. Uh, very, very reminiscent of Conference USA in that you have that parity within the competition level and it could be anybody's week. And so you, you really can't overlook anybody or give anybody too much credit, I think, in that regard as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we'll talk about this game more in depth, but I think that UAB Tulane game was a great indication of that. Yes. Tulane, Tulane looked very beatable, you know, and UAB didn't play the, a perfect clean game by any means. They had their miscues as well. Um, and the Blazers showed that, you know, they could be the best team in the conference. So, yeah, I think to your point, everyone's got to be on their toes. And I don't think that this conference is an open and shut case by any means. Um, kind of interesting, you know, back before the Big 12 programs left the AAC, 
I feel like there was a lot of that as well, but there was always that one team that kind of rode through the whole season and, and took care of business the whole way out. Um, and hopefully that happens again this year. Hopefully it's UTSA. Uh, but if not, I hope someone can ride things out um, and get to that New Year six spot because you've got a couple teams in the Mountain West that are looking pretty, pretty strong right now. I think the Sun Belt's going to beat themselves up a little bit too much to get that New Year six spot. Uh, so I really want to see someone, you know, kind of kind of run the table and, and grab that New Year six slot and, you know, bring that exposure and money into the conference. We'll, we'll see, Jared. We'll see who can run that table. Could be anybody. It could, could be. It be the Roadrunners. I don't know. Well, I, don't I know. think it's a tough ask if right you can't now. Say the table, I'm not sure we're going to get the New Year six bid. Correct. Yeah, we've kind of already put ourselves way too far behind. Yeah, you you would have to be rooting pretty hard against uh, Fresno, Wyoming, and Air Force. I think Mm -hmm. all three of those teams would have to find some pretty nasty losses along the way for UTSA to get the nod. But But maybe running that table and getting themselves to a conference championship game appearance. But again, very tall order from what we've seen from the Roadrunners. But yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We will get into the bye week preview. But let's talk a little bit about the fantastic action that we got on, well, starting on Thursday, actually. We had a Thursday right. night game. Temple going down to Tulsa, 48-26. to 26. Tulsa, holy cow, man. That, that Tulsa team, I, I tell you, watching that game was scary. I was watching, and I was scared of Tulsa and thankful yeah. that they don't show up on UTSA's schedule this season. That is a team that plays with some grit with some violence, man. I mean, they were so passionate every single play, very inspired football coming from those guys. And uh, it was clear that they were not going to be beat that that night. They're really young. They're really talented. They're really athletic. Um, I think this team is going to put it together at some point and be pretty scary. I think they're being slept on, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, I watched their first game this season against their FCS opponent. And obviously it was a blowout, but just the way they played, you could tell they were going to be a stronger team than expected. You know, I think they were kind of maybe expected to be a doormat. I don't know. Maybe that's too harsh. Uh, but is, is it uh, what, what's our quarterback's name? Williams. Cardell Williams. Cardell, Cardell Williams. Williams stud. 14 for 17 for 244 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and then picks up 90 more yards with his feet, including a 50 yard long run to the touchdown. Um, on 10 carries that's a nine yard average per carry <laughs> led the team in rushing in in, in the in, in that regard in both total yards and on average yards uh the dude is was just superman out there i don't know how else to describe it and you know what high school he went to right oh it's from houston texas <laughs> i'll let you discover this one yourself <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh Am I about to be completely stumped here? Am I about to be just completely shocked? I think you're going to be frustrated. Oh, you know what? I learned this watching the game. I actually, I did. I completely learned this watching the game. And I should have known it prior to. But yes, he is a graduate of my alma mater, Westfield High School. Three-year starter. Uh, Yes, yes, I did know that. But I should be more familiar with him. Um, Yeah. What can you say? He's a stud. West side with the best ride. Westfield Mustangs, baby. I mean, you're talking about just year in and year out. We spin out greatness out of that school, out of that campus. So it doesn't surprise me by any means. Well, I'm just upset that he left Texas. It's upset that it's upsetting that Texas didn't make sure he stayed. 
Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, what, what, whatever way you want to put it, for sure. <laughs> I'm looking at, I, I don't know. He has a Houston offer, which, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that was not a committable offer. Right. But he didn't get an offer from Texas State. He didn't get an offer from UTSA. He did not get an offer from Sam Houston State. None of these schools, man. Oh, that's so frustrating to me. That is super Obviously, he's a baller. Complete baller, man. Does it both with his feet and with his hands. He threw a really, really pretty football. And he was really sound and smart with his decisions. Um, he got himself he got himself out of trouble whenever it would start to unfold in the backfield. It was really, really good, really cerebral, but uh, but he was he was he was quick to act. And um I think that's something that and 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 not only quick to act, but made the right decisions whenever he had yeah. to think quickly and act quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and and yeah, and that's something that really separates the the game breakers, you know, and, and that's exactly what Cardo Williams did. Uh, I guess we'll just skip over Temple since half this podcast is going to be about Temple. But they they didn't look great. They didn't look great. We'll come back. To no, that. not exactly. Not exactly so, man. I think EJ Warner is just being asked to do entirely too much. Yeah. Um, dude dropped back forty nine times oh, man. against Temple. <laughs> uh, just brutal. brutal. Um, and yeah, he's not blossoming into the unbelievably hyped son of a Hall of Fame quarterback that you would expect yeah. him to be. Uh, just missing on a lot of his throws, um, but he was getting flustered back there in the backfield, man. I mean, he was, he was he was under a hell of a lot of pressure, hard for him to get the ball out. Um, but even whenever he had some open receivers and was able to get his feet planted, some throws he just straight whiffed on, dude. He missed entirely. <clears throat> um, yeah, his uh, his mental clock is off. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then I got a shout out. One of the best receiving names in college football for Tulsa, <laughs> Marquise Shoulders. Fantastic game. Uh, had some really, really good catches. One one beautiful over-the-shoulder one. Five receptions, 76 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, and they've kind of got a stable of good wide receivers between him, Devin Williams. Uh, those those two are, are, are both big play potential guys, and so is Camden Benjamin. And, uh, dude, yeah, Tulsa's just, man, they've got a really beefy offense. They've got a lot of playmakers in their offense. And um, Dark Horse to really do some damage in, in the AAC this season. I know, like, we're not playing Tulsa this year, so I don't, you know, we're probably talking about them more on this pod than we should. But they might be really good because they're 3-2, and two, but their two losses were to number 8 Washington and number 19 mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yep. Yep. Their schedule is pretty, pretty beatable. They get Tulane and SMU. Everyone else, I think they're, they might be favored in. <laughs> I don't know, man. The Golden Hurricanes. They, they might be one of the surprise teams of the year for sure. Maybe they're. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's that SMU upset that we are so Ooh. excited to see. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think Tulsa might. I can see it. Really. Dude. Get them fools up against the ropes, dude. Absolutely. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're banged well, up. Um, mm. To jump ahead to the Saturday action, a whole lot of games in flight. Uh, first off, in the morning window was South Florida at Navy. And wow. I watched the first half of this game. And I was like, after that first quarter, I was like, man, USF looks just like UTSA did against Army. Just getting flustered by that triple option. Turnover gives them a short field. They're up two scores quick. And it's yep. like, oh, man, this is yeah. going to be a bad day for the Bulls. Like, but they uh, they turned it around, man. 
impressive performance from USF. They are right up there with Tulane with, you know, those teams that are kind of better than expected. Um, I was, I was kind of high on USF coming into the year, but they've looked even better than I expected. Um, Byron Brown has stepped into the starting quarterback role for them. So they got Gary Bohannon transfer from Baylor, who's Baylor's starting quarterback for a full year. Um, and I don't know what his status is, like if he was injured and just got beat out by Brown or if he's still injured and he's not going to play or what. Uh, but that freshman, Brian Brown, he's legit, man. It's really cool to see two freshmen start to blossom, start to blossom on teams that are not expected to be very good this year. Um, and then you can kind of see the future of those programs being born right in front of your eyes. USF, man, uh, dare I say, they made some adjustments uh, yeah. after going down 14 to zero, something that we argue we have not seen the Roadrunners do quite yet, but they come back and, and they score three straight touchdowns to retake that lead by the time we get halfway through the second quarter. Extremely impressive showing from USF, uh, which, by the way, the Bulls were Jared's upset pick in our pregame UTSA schedule preview, there have been quite a few upsets uh, that we did not predict that have already happened this season, but that was Jared's choice in the conference slate. So looking like a good pick, Jared, unfortunately, it's looking like a good pick so far, but yes, Mm -hmm. USF, man. um, I think they're turning some heads. This, like you said, Byron Brown really sort of coming into his own at quarterback there. And then they did a good job of, of, of sort of, tempering down that Navy triple option uh, after those two scores. USF's athleticism really shows when you watch them on TV. Um, They hardly look like a G5 program. When you look at like how big and how fast they are, if if they're coached right and they put it all together, they keep having great quarterback play from Byron Brown. Sky's the limit for them, whether it's this year or in the future. I love the hire of Alex Golesh. They've got a strong staff up and down. I mean, it's like really a, an all-star cast of like G5 assistant coaches. So I'm uh, very bullish on the Bulls long-term. Five tackles for loss back there against Navy. Snack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they played physical. They had to They had to get physical, and they certainly did. You even say they out-physicaled a very, very strong service academy team. And, uh, dude, yeah, you know, I know UTSA and USF has been beefing a little bit on the, uh, on the Twitter, on the X.com. Maybe USF. I don't see any of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I hear people say it, but I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I think it's because I already blocked like two absolute USF idiots. And I feel like they're probably the spearhead of all that. Maybe they knew what they had. Maybe they knew what they had. So maybe so. Probably the, I guess, marquee game of the week. Unexpectedly, perhaps, was UAB kind of taking Tulane to the wire. Mm. Um, final score not as indicative as the game was. Um, you know, as far as competitiveness through four quarters, UAB 23, Tulane 35. That last score for Tulane coming on a fourth and one conversion from like what the UAB 30 yard line or something like that. Brutal. Um, yeah, they didn't even try to hand it off QB sneak, they just threw a fade route to the receiver, came down with it. Tough, tough set. For for UAB, that was hard. And, and the dude, it wasn't was out of fourth deep. and dude, it wasn't out of fourth and one. It was a fourth and nine. Oh my god, there was no really? reason. There was no reason. No, they just wanted to put the yes, bro. Yes, Man. it was a fourth and long. Oh right, because it was like it was too too far to kick a field goal, and then too close to punt. So I don't know. Maybe hell maybe to it, been to hell with it. We're going it. to the house. Yeah, yeah, jeez, yeah. So it was nuts. Um. But at oh. what point UAB is leading that game 20 to yeah. seven? 
um, towards the end of the second quarter. And they go into the half up 20 to 14. Um, looked really, really good, but that offense couldn't quite fire in the second half. UAB only getting a fourth quarter field goal. Only points of the whole second half for UAB. Yeah. And um, um, I believe that was after Trent Dilfer completely lost his shit on the sideline after uh, <clears throat> a too many men on the field or illegal substitution um, penalty call there. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that rattled pretty much everybody on UAB's sideline, staff, roster, and um, it looked like the ship was going down after that blow-up, man, I'll be honest with you. They still played pretty well after that, but it makes you wonder what's going on behind closed doors at practice, you know what I mean? Absolutely does. It's not the first uh, time we've seen Trent Dilfer completely lose, lose it, it on the sideline. Right. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've seen people be like, oh, well, Nick Saban does it all the time, and no one has a problem when Nick Saban does it. Well, Nick Saban's kind of won his way to be able to pull those kind of antics. Trent Dilfer is one of four. I don't think Nick Saban's antics have ever been as extended as Trent Dilfer. This so was either. a freaking penalty. This is one penalty. Yes, it came at a crucial time. Yeah. But he was losing his mind for like 30 seconds on that. Yeah, side it line. was extended. It wasn't like, oh, I lost my cool in the heat of the moment. Like he walked away and then came back. And, and then going. came back to lose his shit again. It was yeah. out of control. It was it was outrageous, man. And um, yeah, I mean, look, the guy's passionate and cares, but but there is a, a fine line between reacting correctly and reacting completely incorrectly. And, and, and that was a really, really foul play. And um, yeah, it's 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 hard to buy into whatever culture he's selling when you see him do that sort of thing in the middle of a game, a completely mm-hmm. winnable game against uh, against the defending conference champion. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, if he does it for a player, I think it's very different. But if he does it to the staff, you got to imagine the kids are up next, right? We'll right. See how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you well, know, I mean, guys always gravitate to their positional coaches as well. Yep. <clears throat> on what the UAB thinking, side of things. Oh, good. Yeah. What, what, what are you thinking about Jacob Zeno, man? You know, I mean, he threw the mm-hmm. ball well, didn't do anything great, but he didn't do yeah. anything bad. Yeah. His, uh, it's funny because I feel like he played such a good game and his QB rating was only 49.8, which is pretty, pretty damn low. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. I just, I just feel like he executes our offense really well. You know, uh, when I got my first look at this Alex Mortensen offense, they were playing North Carolina A&T, and it was super horizontal, dink and dunk kind of stuff, you know, bubble screens, throws to the running back in the flats, not really pushing the ball downfield much at all, or, or really asking the quarterback to make many or any difficult throws whatsoever. And I was like, there's no way this is going to work in AAC play because the talent is going to nullify those kind of plays. And they're not going to be able to break any for yardage, right? Um, but, you know, it, it looked pretty good against Tulane. You know, I know they only scored 23 points, but they fumbled on the goal line. Um, so hmm. that should have been another touchdown there. And, you know, Tulane is the best defense in this conference, too. So I think it, it could work for the Blazers. <clears throat> I think uh, the freshman receiver, Amare Thomas, another one of those freshmen who's starting to make a name for himself in this conference. Um, and a, again, a guy that's probably going to be a feature player for these Blazers for years to come. He had an insane, like, a highlight reel catch, like one hand over the back, like first down. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. He had uh, eight catches for 99 yards. But I think the thing that I saw from UAB this past week that I didn't see from them previously is they're just like running the ball at the middle a little bit more. Uh, that's kind of been their strength at UAB. That's like what they recruited their running backs and their offensive linemen to do is to run down the defense's throat. 
Um, and I feel like they're finally leaning back into that with Jermaine Brown. So that's that was good to see. Yeah, definitely so. Yeah, you know, I, I, Isaiah Jacobs had a great day running the ball. Jermaine Brown had a great day running the ball. Well, a good day running the ball. Mm-hmm. We've got that that one two punch there in the backfield, and that's that's always been UAB's mo. And um, we'll continue yeah. to do so. All, offensive line is definitely not the same though. Their their left tackle kind of got worked a little bit against Tulane. Yeah, and they, and, uh, they've had such a strong offensive line for years. Yeah, and and their defense wasn't quite as you know as physical as intimidating, and I think that's kind of yeah. dropped off gradually over the last two three seasons. Um, mm-hmm. But they they did not um, give Tulane's offense any mistakes. And then you know from the Tulane perspective, not a great day for them. They they came out pretty flat. I thought for uh, was it was an eleven a.m. kickoff? It was a morning one for sure. Yeah, but they showed why I picked them to win this conference because they have a championship mindset. And even when things didn't go their way, you know, they had a turnover. Um, They just stuck through it, man. And they just played through and they never freaked out. They never panicked. They just played cool, calm, collective football. Michael Pratt did what Michael Pratt always does, you know, leads the team on two game winning touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. uh, Or no, excuse me, third quarter and fourth quarter. uh, That previous score was at the end of the third. They're tough, man. Three for three on fourth down after only going three out of 10 on third down conversions. They go three for three on their fourth downs. Get it done when they need to get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. They made a few mistakes by way of those two fumbles. They made a few mistakes um, in penalties as well, but completely unwavered. I think you completely nail it. Championship mindset. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we've been here before. It's no big deal kind of vibe from that Tulane team. Cool, calm, and collected, man. Absolutely. Yep. So I was actually at Rice Stadium for the last game we're going to talk about. That's ECU's trip to Rice, uh, start of the AAC era for the Rice Owls. Pretty entertaining little game. Rice has really stepped up their game day experience. Oh, yeah. And, you know, by Rice's standards, it was a nice little crowd for sure. Not not a loud or active one per se, but it was a good turnout. It was, it was a nice evening. Generating a little bit more interest amongst the West U elites. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. I think they're recruiting Houston a little bit more now, too. So I think mm-hmm. that probably dries more folks out. Um, interesting game plan for Rice. You know, they're coming off of the injury to JT Daniels uh, against USF last week. Mm-hmm. Daniels doesn't practice all week. He comes in and he goes 18 to 32. But I was really impressed with him. Really, really impressed with him. Um, and they were rotating in Chase Jenkins, yep. at quarterback as well. And then he actually ended up getting hurt as well. So they kind of nixed that plan in the second half. But they were kind of using Jenkins as like the change of pace back, giving him a little bit of a running look right. um, out of the backfield. Um, so it was interesting. And it worked okay, I guess. Like, I don't think they like broke any huge plays or anything like that. Um, but it, it was solid. And I think it took some stress off of uh, JT as he was continuing to heal up. He had one big one on those Wildcat snaps to get a 28 yard uh, yeah. run. Yeah. 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 I remember and that. Touchdown. Mm-hmm. And it's a, yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but JT Daniels did it. It really didn't look like he missed too much of a beat. He was still throwing a really, really pretty ball out there. Yeah, man. He made some, cause I was like sitting like almost at field level and he had some throws. I was just in awe. Yeah. Yeah. The dude's a natural. He's a complete natural. 232 yards, two touchdowns. Do an interception, but that was about his only mistake of the game. Rice's defense 
went in eight on on ECU, man. They got back there for three sacks, seven mm-hmm. tackles for loss altogether. Really, really nasty stuff. Josh Piercy delivered maybe the hardest hit of the whole season that I've seen mm. uh, on a fourth down play. I mean, if he didn't hit as hard as he did, uh, that guy would have probably get that extra yard or two to extend that drive for ECU in that last uh, last possession. Yeah. So that was a massive, massive play from him. They were they just looked very physical, very, very physical. Um, maybe the best Rice defense that I've seen while UTSA has been a conference member with them. That's fair. Yeah. They've got some dogs, man, for sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They just do have some a, dogs. Tough and well-coached defense, yeah. Yeah, they've got some ball hawks. They're, 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 they're very in tune um, to the ball and, and, and getting there, playing all together. And um, look, Bryce had 10 penalties on the day, man. Wow. You know, and, and typically not the team to commit too many, mm-hmm. especially at home. There's not so much noise, but didn't let it falter him. Stayed disciplined and uh, played some really, really good football. Really, really good football. And ECU outgains Bryce by like 115 yards, dude. It didn't feel like it at all. Didn't feel like it at all. No way. I was so uh, shocked at ECU. Um, Rice was the more talented team, both sides of the football. I, I was not expecting that whatsoever. ECU didn't, they didn't look big. They didn't look fast. Their quarterback was a spare. <laughs> I don't yeah, know Alex how else Flynn, to put it. Alex Flynn was rough, man. Very, very uh, rough. Completes less than half of his uh, attempts. 21 for 44 with an interception. Felt very uh, JoJo Weeks. Mm. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. That's brutal. I'm not too worried about UTSA playing the Pirates this year. I'm just curious how they got to this point. Because I feel like ECU recruits decently well, but I sure didn't see it on the field. One sort of shining light on ECU's offense, I would say, is... Uh... Freshman running back Javius Bond, who was uh, he had a, he had a, he had one big carry of thirty nine yards, and he didn't get nearly as many carries as the rest of the running backs did, or as as Rajal Harris and, and Alex Flynn, who took off thirteen times at his feet. He ran the ball well. But ECU it's pretty just, weird that every game we've talked about, we've all complimented a freshman. Ooh. I wonder AC. if that's why the AAC as a whole is kind of struggling because I think maybe these teams are pretty young or their best players are young. A lot of young talent on these yeah. rosters. Yeah. Yeah. Young quarterbacks too. Never helps. Um, there are a couple other games. We probably don't need to get too, too far into the weeds in, but UNT wins 45 to 31 against Abilene Christian and SMU knocks off Charlotte 34 to 16. Any remarks on either of those games, Jared? I don't watch either of them. I mean, obviously for North Texas, that score is way closer than it should be. Way closer and than I, it should be. I, I, you know, maybe ACU got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter with a sub or something like that. But <clears throat> yeah, not very encouraging, especially when you see what uh, that UNT defense has done week in and week out so far. Under Eric Morris, um, huge cr- cause for concern there. I think they're going to see a lot of 50 brokers throughout the rest of the season. Um, yeah. In SMU Charlotte, I got, I got nothing on that one. I don't know. I guess that game just kind of went how I thought it would go. And yep. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was pretty standard from SME Charlotte. But no, you're totally right. You shouldn't AC you should be putting 31 points up against any of these American teams. Mm-hmm. And they and, and they were not trash type touchdowns for the record. All cool. right. Uh, I'm gonna do a couple of Patreon shoutouts and then we can talk about we'll take a Kumbi right. We'll do the depth chart changes for UTSA because there actually were a few. We'll talk about some other, you know, UTSA come out of the bye week. You know, thought thought bubbles and you mm. know narratives and all of that mm. uh, and then we'll preview the temple owls so before we do all that we do want to say thank you to our board of trustees members on patreon we are going to do a bonus episode this week as we do every week during football season uh we're going to discuss the upcoming student vote to raise the utsa athletics fee that students pay ooh, ooh, with their ooh. tuition it should be a juicy episode i've been doing some research i'm pretty prepped for it Andrew, you better come ready. Giving it a Make second it shot. Giving the student vote a second shot here. <laughs> Let's run this thing back, man. <laughs> we only got to be like <laughs> uh, 25, 30 points higher than the last one. Let's see how mm. that goes. Um, but thank you to John Hallwell, Leonel Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Burger Tailgate, and happy belated birthday to Gary. Uh, shout out to Ray Redding and nice. Meet Me Apparel, Brandon Grill and Grill Realty Group. Andy Elizada and Proficient Benefit Solutions, Ian McClendon and Seeker LLC, Brandon Padron, Ryan Squares, Waterman Construction, and Javon Townsend, who is the VP of the DFW chapter of the UTSA Alumni Association. Um, nice. I think they're probably having a watch party for Temple this week. I think they have a watch party for like most away games. So if you're in the Metroplex, definitely check them out. So yeah, man, we did get we did get some some very notable uh, depth chart updates here. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, so I, you know, you have to wonder how much of this is like health related, right? Versus, right. you know, guys playing their way onto the depth chart, so to speak. Um, the depth chart has also been like pretty unreliable because like JT and Frank have been on it every week this season. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they've not been healthy. There's probably a couple of guys that you can say that about. Um, like, I don't think Chris Carpenter was healthy for Tennessee. and He was on there. I mean, there's a ton of examples. I'm not going to go through all of them. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. Um, but there were a few things that that I think caught our eye. Uh, what you say the main one was? Was seeing Buffalo Cruz's name in the left card? Getting him back on the depth chart was huge for sure. But, I, yeah, like you said, I was just surprised to see him at guard and not a tackle. Because it mm. sure seemed like he was the starting left tackle heading into the season. Uh, and now we see him at guard, at, you know, when he's back on the two deep. Um, so maybe that means they're not confident enough that he's going to be fully healthy for Temple. And they didn't want to put him down as the starting tackle and, you know, have to reshuffle everything if he's not good to go. Uh, Coach Trailer made a comment that they're just trying to get their best five linemen out on the field together at the same time. And, and this is what it looks like. So that was an interesting comment. I wasn't sure how to interpret that one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting comment. It was an interesting comment. Because um, guard play has been all right. It's I think tackle play has really struggled. Where we've struggled the most. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and not too much change there. Right. At the tackle position. Yeah. Walker Beatty, DeAndre Marshall at the left, and then Ernest Almaraz, uh, Demetrius Allen, maybe making his return this week. Yeah, we've got his name back. That's a good name. Maybe to see making back. his return this week. Ben as Rios well. as well. Yeah. So so a little more depth at the right tackle position and and some names that I'd say we'd be we've we've been missing. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what Ben Rios can do. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to see him get in there and get some action in. And and I mm-hmm. think Temple's a team to give your your younger offensive line guys an opportunity to go out there and see what they're made of. Mm-hmm. You know, I yep. mean we we saw against Tulsa last week and through the season that the, the Temple defense isn't anything that's very menacing in any regard. Especially their defensive line. I'll get into right. that later. But I think like if you're a young offensive lineman, this is probably a good conference opponent to get some reps in. Because, yes. um, I mean, they're not going to be as scary as, like, the two-lane defensive line. You know, mm-hmm. just pick a random example. Um, another thing that has surprised me is how much UTSA has moved guys around the different receiver positions on the depth chart. Mm. So, this week, Devin McQueen, I think, moved from the slot to the Z receiver. Yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. Um, which I like. So Chris Carpenter is listed as a Z, but I'm not sure if he's a go or not. I think McCoy and McQueen are probably going to be the Z. That's like the flanker receiver. So this is the guy that is going to cover those ground on the routes, right? And, you know, try to split that defense wide. That's a, your speed guy traditionally in this UTSA offense. I think McQueen's a great spot or a great fit for that spot. Uh, really curious to see how he does. With JT almost assuredly coming back this week, I think that's been confirmed, semi-confirmed. I don't know. Um, but you can't really move Tyke to that flanker position because he just doesn't have the speed to like you know run a drag route uh, across the whole defense to get open. That's not really his game. Um, so I think it makes sense to put McQueen in that spot, have Tyke rotate into the X with JT. Um, and I think it gives you your best combination of of like skill set at the different receiver spots. Right. Right. Yeah. And and DeCoin J- JT Clark still has the or that's next to his name with Taiki Kellogg. But yeah, semi-confirmed, somewhat confirmed that he should be coming back. We expect him to be back. We need him to be back. Mm-hmm. I think we see JT Clark against Temple. Yeah. I think you see him starting. Yeah, I think he's going to start. I think he'll probably be rotated out more than he was last year as he eases back into things for sure. But I agree with you on that. At the tight end position, we have all four tight ends um, that are pretty much active on the roster listed. I think it's the first time we've seen Patrick Overmeyer's name. It is. Yeah, I, I went and checked on that. So that's a six foot five, 230 pound freshman. Yes. Yeah, he's a beast. That, that one is is very fascinating to me. He's a true freshman. So mm-hmm. has he just been unstoppable on Scott team and they had to put him on the depth chart? They got to put him in the rotation. Uh, or is it more of a reflection of the production they've got from the guys that have been out there? Yeah. And this dude. is an effort to shake things up. Yeah, dude. I think it's going to be a, a little bit of both of those are true. Um, but yeah, he was at Kingwood Park High School. Right down the road from me. Dude was a... Um, a three sport athlete played baseball played basketball <laughs> was a quarterback at kingwood park yeah i was gonna ask he was the quarterback at kingwood park right 
Yeah, and so his cousin is uh, Kyle Rudolph, um, NFL tight end uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude, Another ultimate trick play. Tight end pass. Let's go. Oh, my goodness, baby. Let's go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's, he's got some um, some Bo Jackson-esque <laughs> multi-sport mm-hmm. Deion Sanders mm-hmm. sort of ability to him. So, uh, but dynamic, uh, dynamic athlete, to say the least. He's definitely going to play more of that Houston Thomas, Dan Dishman kind of role right. uh, as a receiving tight end. He's he's not like the Oscar Cardenas, I'm going to blow you off the line kind of guy. Well, he's 6'5", but he's 230 pounds now. He's slight, yeah. I'd imagine, you know, we'll see him kind of put on a little bit more meat as his time at UTSA develops. Mm-hmm. But for now, certainly so. He'll be more of an explosive um, ball-catching tight end, certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, no other changes on the offense. I don't know if you want to talk about the or between Eddie Lee, Marburger, and Owen. No, I saw it, dude. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but yeah, I, I I'd like to see just a little bit more of a definitive Owen McGowan at the two, Eddie Lee, Marburger at the three. I think <laughs> that was proven uh, in the game against Tennessee. Uh, Owen McGowan was the better quarterback in in many different facets in that game. Uh, maybe they still want to see more out of it, but uh, yeah whatever i mean i I guess like we're we're kind of glancing over frank harris we're just kind of both assuming that he's playing starting the game at quarterback right yeah and coach said something about you know um we'll see how he's feeling and if he is going to play i certainly as hell wouldn't reveal it to temple uh but i think we all expect Mm -hmm. frank harris to be in action against this game Mm -hmm. um over the last two weeks we've seen him go from boot to no boot to moving around a little bit more just like by way of pictures and like practice videos or whatever. Yeah, I saw a picture of him at Crocs and someone is like, oh my God, put an ankle brace on that guy. You get no support in the Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, please keep Frank Harris protected. Um, who's to say if he's going to be at 100%? Who's to say how well yeah. he's going to be throwing the ball? But you got to get him back. And, you know, we go back to if, if you want him to get sort of back into the swing of things and some game time action, you know, that Temple defense is probably the right defense to do it against. So, yeah, I expect Frank Harris to be in this game. I would like to see Owen McGowan as a definitive backup. And it's not like that's like, it's not like your backup quarterback is like, you know, in the, in the same breath that a coach was saying, we're not going to reveal it to Temple about Frank Harris. Like, you don't have to keep the backup quarterback like close to your chest. That's <laughs> no, something not at all. hard. You got to keep hitting, right? But whatever, no. poker face away, trailer. Yeah. So two small changes on the defense, you know, not, not a whole lot there. Um, Pit cage just dropped off the depth chart entirely. So, yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, I feel like pit cage has played okay, but not like tremendously well. Um, so I don't know if he had an injury during the bye week or if there's something going on. Um, but that kind of caught my eye because it, it seems like UTSA does the or thing, but like the guy that's at the top of the or is like the real starter or second Correct. string right Correct. Um, yeah. that's how it's feel like it's played out for me so by that nature he was ahead of owen peewee feel like he got more snaps than owen peewee mm-hmm. um so i don't know i mean maybe it's an effort to get the freshmen and the younger guys on the field more I mean, there's no oars we'll at all on the defense yeah uh nope. oh no there's uh cam alexander or diwan griffin oh you're right you're right you know what's the I mean, starter though correct you know what stuck out to me was seeing uh, Sirius Dumas's name. And that's weird because he had just posted on Instagram that he broke his foot. He literally, after the Tennessee game, 
posted <laughs> I broke my foot on Saturday. And, uh, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. Maybe there. it wasn't really a broken foot. Maybe it just felt like it was a broken foot. But I feel like he would have known pretty definitively. Um, Sorry, man. I didn't have connection for four weeks. This post just got out. You know, my, yeah. my bad. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. The whole the quarterback situation has been kind of weird this year because Dumas has been kind of MIA for whatever right. reason. And then we haven't seen Zay Frazier at all. And Trailer was directly asked about it in a press conference today. And he said they're waiting on a waiver. That was weird because Frazier played last year. What kind of waiver are you waiting on? We're halfway through the season. Damn near. That was strange, man. That was strange. I would like some more details on that. And he was getting extremely hyped up in in preseason through fall camp, if you recall, Jared. He was getting a lot of accolades showered on him. Yep. Um, Zay was by his defensive counterparts, his teammates, and I think uh, staff as well. I think Trailer was also mentioning it in the the fall camp pressers. It's interesting. The hell is that about? I don't know, man. (laughs) Like I said, I'd like some more details about that before I freak out, but it's weird. It's very weird. Very I don't think there were any special teams changes, right? No, not that I know. Oh, wait, no, there is one. I'm 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 doing like left arrow, right arrow on my keyboard to jump between them, and you can see like the font changes. <laughs> I don't know. It's like people are like, what the hell is he talking about? But this is the science that it takes to to cover this program. <laughs> this at the Alamo Audible level. Yeah. You gotta have a system. Um, okay, so Chris Carpenter has been pulled off all the specialist listings, and Willie McCoy has taken that spot. Wait, no, not all of them. No, sorry. No, I still see him at kick returner. I was wrong. Kick I was returner. wrong. Yeah, so he he was off last week. He's back this week. So yeah. I guess that's a good sign for himself. Because I think he got carted off against Army, right? He should be healthy again. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So that's great news. Yeah, you know, a very, very strange comment about Zay Frazier. There's been some very, very strange comments from trailers, pressers, sort of all season long. And it's like the yeah, more we been. lose... The more we lose, the the more I dislike the way he's been conducting his interviews. I've felt like this was going to happen at some point in time for a long time now. The the shtick, the shtick, couldn't couldn't hold up through a a one and three September, huh? And, and I I don't personally like take offense or you know have any frustrations with with the much of the interviews but i i've long felt like once he has a losing record and he's like saying and doing a lot of these things people are gonna get pretty annoyed by it it just seems well, then, to me like there it's that it's a completely different tone it's a completely different demeanor mm-hmm. right and sure mm-hmm. i mean you expect that coming out one and three but but you still want to see um i don't know you some 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 confidence some excitement some exuberance coming out of your head coach and dude, we're not getting that at all. Yeah. As, as, as these losses have worn down on the team. That's worn down on him too. You can tell. Absolutely, man. And, and he's answering, used to it. He's answering these questions. You know, the, the little one liners have completely gone away. Um, His, his, his sort of excitement level, his smile has absolutely disappeared. Um, Been very, very straight faced, very dull. Kind of, kind of parallels with the football that we've been seeing the team play, right? 
um, kind of dull, not explosive, <laughs> not intense, um, uninspired press conferences from Coach Trailer. Dare I say it, Jared? Uh, but it, but it hurts, man. It hurts to watch. Um, and uh, you know, uh, on the Monday media roundtable, he was he he had made a, an, a comment a couple of weeks ago about this team being pissed off going into the conference play against Temple, and he was asked about that. I think Greg Luca, the San Antonio Express News, asked him about that, and um, he was just kind of like, "Oh no, we're playing good, and we're practicing well, and guys are physical." But it it certainly wasn't echoing the the way that he sounded when he was talking about this team is going to be pissed off. Um, he surely didn't confirm that. And then he did confirm that, you know, there's no live tackling. We don't tackle to the ground in practice, and that's not something that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Somewhat concerning, you know, you think at a certain point, it's something that you just need to start doing, at least to a degree, maybe not the whole mm -hmm. practice, maybe a little bit of practice. Um, very, very, very far away from the birdcage slash Oklahoma drills of, of, uh, of old. And then today there was a, a really strange, I'd even say stupid remark that came from trailer. Um, he said that they keep the receipts on negativity after rough non-conference starts and then usually laugh at people at the end of the season. And so you, Jared, know as a college football Twitter enthusiast, there's a practice amongst fans, amongst pundits of screenshotting tweets because you got to keep those receipts, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking trailers out here screenshotting tweets and I have this visual of, you know, the, the team sitting around the locker room with the conference championship trophy in the background and trailers got a slideshow of all this screenshot tweets and he puts on a presentation of them and everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. This guy was wrong. Ha, 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 ha. This guy was wrong. Like, that doesn't really happen. Oh, it does. But before games, I, I am pretty sure they will show people's, like, score predictions. Be like, look at the haters. They doubt us. They don't believe in us. You know, blah, blah, blah. The, the way this is supposed to be answered and what I would hope is actually put into practice is we don't pay attention to that stuff. This is quite the opposite. They pay a hell of a yeah. lot of attention to yeah, it. Yeah, they lean into it. And and Jared, it, and the proof is in the pudding because players are constantly tweeting about mm -hmm. how fans are tweeting. Yep, yep, yep. They have an opinion about right. how fans are tweeting. Why is this a talking point? Why is it something that the team pays attention to? Why are we putting our focus energy and time into social media when we have a one and three win loss record. Yeah. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes you'll see coaches like shut off social media for their team, which you can't do in the NIL era now, obviously. Sure. Um, but it seems like trailer doubles down on it, which is very interesting. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I always feel like if you have to look for external motivation, there's something missing internally. That's going to give you that motivation. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Um, I think they need to spend less time screenshotting tweets and more time, you know, cleaning up the route tree and not being uh, the fourth worst offense in the country and yards per play on first down. I don't know if you saw that one recently. Yes, I That was did. a gut punch. It's like Nevada, 
Sam Houston State, UTSA, brutal, unreal. So you know if that method works for them and and they win the AAC, uh, sure. I mean, take all the screenshots and I'll take all the laps you want. But um, you know the UAB game just got selected for TV broadcast on ESPNU at seven o'clock, and uh, you know what's going to be showing on ESPN two at that exact exact same time slot. Uh, Marshall versus Georgia State, two programs that I think have uh, four or five wins on the year because they took care of play um, outside of conference. Um, so they're getting that ESPN exposure. Uh, they probably weren't running around screenshotting tweets, I wouldn't guess. They were probably focused on preparing for the next game. That's right. I think you're absolutely right about that, Jared. And um, yeah, you're not going to put losing programs up on primetime slots. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was actually tied for the second fewest yards per play on first down in the country. <laughs> Nevada 3.2. And then a three-way tie between Sam Houston State, UTSA, and Northwestern for 4.1. Gosh, man. Brutal. Well, it's... I guess to pivot into the Temple preview, before we talk about the Owls, are you expecting anything different on offense from this team? Because Trailer's uh, demeanor and quotes after Tennessee game made it kind of sound like, you know, all the cards on the table for the offense, and they're going to shake things up a little bit. I don't know if you got that same impression or not. Um, I, I think he's ready to get his hands on the offense a little bit more. I think you're going to see yeah. a little bit of power uh, removed from Justin Burke. And Jeff Trailer is going to be, you know, overriding, vetoing some play calls. Maybe a little bit more hands-on with the direction that this offense is taking on a play-by-play basis. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I would say like <clears throat> veto. I think he'll probably be more collaborative and, and more hands-on than he's probably been in the past, which is not, I, in my opinion, it would not where you want to be as a head coach. You want to have coordinators that you can fully trust to hand things off, and you know they're going to guide the team in the right direction, right? Right. So it's not. I don't think it's a great situation to be in as a head coach, but when you're one and three. You know, you got to make some drastic moves. And, you know, I think getting Frank and JT back is going to be a huge boost one way or the other. Um, but I do wonder if we'll see some changes when it comes to play calling, play design, stuff like that. Because for me, like that second half of Colorado just felt different. And or sorry, that second half of Tennessee uh, with Owen mm-hmm. McCowan. I, I thought Colorado because he came from Colorado. Um, but I don't know. The offense just had more of a tempo to it i guess it had more of a christmas to it crispness i always say christmas when i try to say crispness it's kind of a weird habit of mine so i don't know i i mean i just want to see more of that against temple where it feels like you know everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing at any point in time and they're like all in harmony together and just like gel in the way we've seen this offense gel for the past two years right it's more of an intangible thing i guess but it's in the eye of the beholder, and I think everyone who watched that second half of Tennessee saw it. Yes, it, it is, man. And um, I, I think it's necessary. I think it's a necessary change that needs to happen. And so, look, something's got to give. If the offense isn't producing the way that it should be, which clearly isn't, we just gave you the stats. It's time for some change. And uh, if Jeff Trailer's kind of got to get at the helm, get behind the reins of that, be a little more commanding. And yeah, I think collaborative is probably the right word for it. That's probably the right thing to do. Does he send Justin Burke upstairs? Trailer can be on the sidelines and they can sort of have that back and forth collaboration mm-hmm. through the headset. 
Mm -hmm. That probably worked best, I think. Yeah, because that's another thing, too. I mean, I don't know who's upstairs for the UTC offense watching from the bird's eye view, but that could be an issue as well, that there's someone new that's up there watching that wasn't there the last two years, and maybe they're not relaying the information that helps the offense game plan in the heat of the moment. I don't know. Just a theory. Yeah, sure. You know, I was listening to uh, the Mothership Pod, the Republic of Football podcast, and Mike Craven, uh, he gave me some reassurance about this team with with everything that he said, which, which was nice. Um, and I think I heard him call it the Jeff Trailer offense. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, hmm. Ooh. You know, do, do we get to call it that? Because, like, I don't think it, you could call it the Will Stein offense. I don't think you call it the Barry Looney offense because both those guys are only here for a year. Justin Burke has been, you know, behind the scenes that whole time. Uh, but Trailer is an offensive coach, right? So I don't know. That was an interesting comment. And, but it made me feel better to think like that is an argument that you can make that UTSA's offense is the Jeff Trailer offense, that he does have a lot of, of say and control of this. So you would think like over time, he's going to be able to get those things corrected. I think that's the key to it. I think Jeff Trailer offense could be a worthy title if they could get back to that 30 point yeah. per game average, get yeah. back to that explosiveness that, you know, we came to love over the last two, three seasons. Yeah, 100 percent. All right, well, let's dive into Temple a little bit. Um, I, don't, I don't know they've kind of been as I expected them to be this season, um, but there were some folks that had higher loftier expectations for the Owls. They're going to come into this week two and three. Their wins come over Akron and uh, Norfolk State uh, with two power five losses to Rutgers and Miami. Um, and then the Tulsa game that we you know spent some time discussing at the top of the pod. So not a great start for Tulane. But it's also kind of what I think you would expect to see five games in, if you were to guess win-loss coming into the year? Temple, like you said, Tulane. Yeah, oh, Temple, I, you know, I, they've, they, they've, they've still got a lot of growing pains that they've got to get past. Um, I think the main thing is, is look, EJ Warner is still a very young quarterback and he still has they're, a lot. They're a young roster everywhere. In general, right? And, um, but he's at the helm of it and he's being asked to do pretty much damn near everything for this team. Mm-hmm. 49 dropbacks against Tulsa. Uh, the dude's thrown the ball 206 times over five games. You do the math. What is that? 40 attempts, 41 attempts per game. Yeah, and they're yeah. not an air raid offense either. <laughs> they, yeah. they they don't want to be throwing the ball that much, but they're kind of forced to. Kind of forced to because they don't have the running back room to support him. But 41 attempts per game, 254 yards that he's throwing for, but he's got a seven touchdown to five interception ratio and um, just being asked to do too much. And mm-hmm. and if EJ Warner doesn't have, you know, uh, a nice backfield, and, and I don't think he necessarily has to have like a totally clean pocket to stand there and deliver. I, I think he can do some things, you know, getting a little bit out of trouble, but mm-hmm. I mean, the dudes would get blasted. Yeah, his offense was bad. They're, they're a bad line right now. Um, I want, man, if you've been frustrated with Jeff Trailer's press conferences lately, you should check out Stan Drayton's mm. for Temples. He's, God, man, the, the one I watched this week was awful. I wanted to give the guy a hug. Uh, it really reminded me of that Frank Will, the infamous Frank Wilson press conference where he came out with a sheet of paper and like listed every guy that was injured. Um, <laughs> just really bad vibes, really bad um, 
uh, body posture, just did not instill any confidence whatsoever. <laughs> um, and in a, in a sick and twisted way, it's like UTSA is going to be the healthier team in this contest, which like no one expected because UTSA has been so banged up. Um, but, you know, Temple played two power five games just like UTSA did. They didn't get the benefit of the bye week. They they do have uh, two extra days of rest because they played long on rest. Day, yeah, long Saturday, rest. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit. But they're also they just don't have the depth of roster that UTSA has. You know, they've not recruited the same level. And Coach Drayton made a comment to one of the reporters in Philadelphia that, you know, they haven't been able to have the same success in the JUCO and transfer portal ranks that UTSA's had. So they're having to play a lot more freshmen in starting roles and in key roles uh, than UTSA has had this year. Um, so that's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and that offensive line being so weak is, is, is another reason why their, their running game hasn't been able to provide EJ any support. Mm-hmm. They have two freshmen starting on the offensive line. Uh, they're ranked second to last in the AAC in both sacks and tackle for losses allowed. Yeesh. They have some decent size. They have a six foot eight dude. That's I think one of the better blockers, um, but overall just not, not a very strong group, uh, both in production, but also like physically, you know, you don't see them like blast dudes off the line of scrimmage or anything like that for, you know, as much as UTSA's line struggle this year, both pass blocking and run blocking has been a bit of a struggle. There are times where they assert their dominance of the line of scrimmage and can move that line of scrimmage. And I haven't seen that from Temple and what I've watched this year. Right. Right. And 2.1 yards per carry against Tulsa last week. Only averaging 3.65 yards per carry on the year so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that running game is just rough. And and they're not running the ball very often, period. And you're just not going to see them handed off on too many downs in general. Yeah, um, and due to, to the lack of success running the ball, you know, EJ Warner's often a third along, and that defense can just pin back and send the blitzers. And yep. yeah, not yep. great. Yeah, and then and then they're getting beat up, man. You know, so Temple scoring twenty one points per game to UTSA's nineteen, um, pretty even there on the output side of things. Uh, giving up thirty one points per game, the Temple defense. Mm-hmm. They haven't been the strongest unit either. No, I think there's more talent on that side of the ball for them. Um, sure. I think especially in the secondary, then they've got some good players there. Um, they've got a lot of length, you know, it's like on the roster and a lot of those guys, six one, six two. Um, so they looked apart. They've been solid. Um, I think statistically, like their pass coverage um, is like kind of their best unit when you look at like PFF uh, grades and, you know, the advanced analytics and all that stuff. Uh, but they're still giving up some big plays to the air as well. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, just the defensive line not being the best and uh, those defenders having to cover for longer than you would like. But um, their run defense, on the other hand, ugly, 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 man. Like, oh, 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 it's bad. I was watching some film like leading the season of them last year. And I'm like, man, these guys are soft up the middle, like Ooh. just wide open holes, you know, three yard wide holes through the A gap. And then I watched, started watching them this year, and it's more of the same stuff. Um, just a defensive line that does not play with great technique. They don't stay low. They don't get off of blocks. Um, they're just kind of space eaters, right? And if those linebackers aren't able to come down and make that play, it's going to be off to the races. So been a been a rough go for them, for sure. Kavorian Barnes comeback game here. I hope so. This I, I think 
more more than any running back, I think it's going to be an offensive line bounce back game for UTSA. Mm. I mean, they they have what three guys on the two deep that have been injured that are back. Yeah. Um, and I think you know they're going to be rested up coming off the bye, and uh, obviously a huge drop off uh, in terms of physicality compared to Tennessee and Army. Yeah, definitely so. Double defense has one interception on the year, one fumble recovery, albeit both of those metrics are better than UTSA's in those departments. Mm-hmm. Still, no turnovers from the Roadrunners. Oh, just nuts. Are there any other teams in the NCAA that haven't generated a defensive turnover yet? And I heard, um, it was, I heard, I did hear trailer reference in the, in the press conference. I think it's just one other team. Yeah. One of yeah. two brutal. Not have any turnovers. Might be wrong. That sounds right, though, because it was only like four or five. There was only four last, last week. week or two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. So I think this might be only one other team. and I'm not sure who it is. So freaking do, man. So, so do. But, you know, looking at the weather, it's going to be wet conditions in Philadelphia. NFL Stadium, but not a dome. Rain is in the forecast almost all weekend. Um, so bad news for my road trip to Philly. But, you know, I'll vibe. I'll be fine. So I wonder if maybe UTSA can force a fumble and and jump on it in these rainy conditions. I'd love to see an interception, but we'll take what we could get at this point, man. It's scary, man. Um, you know, I, I don't like the the wet, cold conditions. We've got 68 degrees, 72% chance of rain. Uh, we've got 68 degrees, the high, by the way. And then we've got winds. 10 to 15 miles per hour. It's going to be very rough conditions for the Roadrunners. Last time we saw them play in conditions like this was uh, an absolute skunking against UNT. Granted, we didn't have anything to play for that game, but an undefeated regular season record. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. This team doesn't necessarily do great in the conditions. Um, there's a head coach that's been begging for a covered practice facility for a very, very long time. We don't have it yet. Doesn't quite prepare us for the for the wet cold conditions down here in South yeah, Texas. There's nothing you can do to get ready for that, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you gotta get the water hoses out there, start slicking up those balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh give those guys um some wetness to try and prepare in. Wasn't that yeah. like a thing at one point where I think trailer was like, we don't practice with the wet balls because we're worried the quarterbacks will throw their arm out or something. Yeah, I think Remember I do that? recall something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, then we'll and see then, how that goes. And I don't think we saw any gloves on any key playmakers whenever we had that wet cold game in Denton mm-hmm. back in 2021. Interesting. Interesting indeed. I do feel like they ditched those like long uh poncho jacket things they were wearing. Yeah, those things in another cold burned. game. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. see how it goes. We'll see. The conditions are not favorable for the roadrunners, Jared. I think, no, I disagree with that. I think if you're UTSA, you would rather have these wet, nasty conditions because I think I, UTSA is probably more confident in their running game than Temple is in their running game. Okay. And your, UTSA is much more comfortable in their run defense in the defensive line than Temple is in theirs. So I think I actually think it favors the Roadrunners quite drastically. Arizona State is the only other team in the country without an interception. It's just two, Jeez. UTSA and Arizona State, confirmed. Last thing I wanted to mention on Temple, 
uh, that I neglected earlier when we were talking about their offense is they do spread the ball out quite a lot in their passing game. They don't have like a Josh Cephas or a JT Clark. They're just kind of feeding the ball to you on every drive. Uh, but number 15, a Purdue transfer, Ahmad Anderson has impressed me. He's he's pretty wiggly. Um, he can get some yardage after the catch. Good little receiver. Uh, but he's day-to-day this week. And based off Stan Drayton's uh, demeanor in his press conference, I'm not expecting to see Anderson on the field. Uh, and the second leading receiver behind him, Dante Wright, is also day-to-day as well. So there's a chance that uh, the Owls could be without their top two receivers in this game. Wow. While UTSA is getting back an NFL draft pick receiver this wow. same week. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably the most favorable conference opening game that UTSA could have got. UTSA at Temple, if it was in the Alamo Dome, maybe it'd be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But UTSA comes out as a 12-point favorite from the odds makers in Vegas. And I think that line's actually moved up. It's about 13, 13 and yeah, a half. Yeah, so 13, 13 and a half. Last I checked, yep. Um, so UTSA favored by about two touchdowns against Temple. And um, yeah, health probably has a lot to do with that. Temple not really finding any success on defense or on offense when it comes to, you know, explosiveness. Um, UTSA through the first two weeks of the season, you did see that defense show some flashes of brilliance, minus the turnovers not appearing. Offense still has to get it going. There's a lot that needs to happen with the offense. Essentially, we need to see a completely different UTSA offense than we've <laughs> yeah. seen through the month of yeah. September. Yeah, or or the second half of Tennessee is like the new the new norm. You know, UTSA goes out there and, and wins this game by three points or seven points. I'm not really high on UTSA turning things around mm-hmm. going into the rest of this conference slate in October, November. UTSA goes out there, beats the spread, wins this game by 15 points, 20 points. Now you've got something to be excited about. Now you've got some confidence in this team being able to hang with the best of the AAC or at least show up to the party. But right now, Temple's looking like one of the lesser teams in the conference. UTSA, Jerry's still out on. And um, yeah, you know, do you take care of business against Temple? Do you take care of business handily against Temple? It's going to determine a lot. Can you generate explosive plays on offense? Yes. Can you generate turnovers on defense? With all those two things, this team is not a championship contender. If they show both of those, I'm back in a little bit. I'm not all the way back in, but I'm back in a little bit. We need a couple 40-yard gains, a couple couple 40-yard touchdowns. We need an interception or two. Yeah, man, that's got to happen. Well, I will be... Shivering in the stands, wet, wearing my Alamo Audible Go Birds Go Champion rain jacket. Waterproof. It does It's waterproof. It does pack well into your suitcase. That's my product plug for the week. Uh, but I'll be doing my part to cheer on these roadrunners. Uh, y'all can uh, take a screenshot of that one. Record that one. <laughs> Laugh at that at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, buddy. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the rant from... After the Tennessee game uh, that our lovely uh, CJ Benavidez put together was certainly on the bulletin board slideshow for. for Oh, yeah, I can promise you that for sure. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It's it's a fresh start for UTSA. 
It's the start of a new era in this AAC. You got, you know, two of your best players in program history back this week. Let's do it, man. Let's go out there. Let's impress. Let's, let's impress. do what we always thought this team was going to do. Yes. And let's just put those first four games in the past and move on and, and do better things while still maintaining scoreboard over Texas State. So don't get it wrong, Roadrunners football. Alamo Audible was still fans. We're still rooting for you guys. Okay. We're saying the same stuff the head coach is saying in his interviews. He said, we're not a very good team right now. But if someone else from the outside says that, oh, that's that's taboo. You better screenshot that. That's all that's what is, upsets me. Like, all we're doing is... All fan, we're doing fans is are supposed echoing. to ignore reality and live in some fantasy world. Like, come on now. Let's get yeah. together. Well, the team should be ignoring social media world altogether. That's what I'd like yeah. to see. But I tell you what, if there's anything... Um, I don't want to see any Halloween trick-or-treat goodie bags getting on a plane <laughs> to Philadelphia. Dude, I want to see one, but I want them to have that uh, granola bar that you mentioned. What was it? The, the Nature Valley? The Nature Valley brick bar. Yes, yeah, bro. I want, I want to see the, the Halloween bag, but with that prominently in the picture displayed just for you. Some freaking protein in there, some jerky, some carne seca. Come on, dude. Roast beef sandwiches <laughs> packed up in there. Some Jason's Deli. God, come on oh man that's funny yeah. um score prediction i want to say utsa covers the spread so bad i want to yeah. so bad i can't do it that's fair that's fair man you, you get to build trust over time right 23 14 roadrunners it's pretty close to where i'm at too um i'm gonna go so, okay, so this is kind of funny. Like the past two years, I never had to do the thought process of like, you know, touchdown, field goal, and like pick a number that makes sense. Because when you're scoring 40, 50 points a game, that math gets thrown out. Yeah, 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 it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm like, well, if I say 26, what does that actually mean on the field? You know, like how many field goals do I need a safety to have that number? <laughs> um, so don't hold me to that part of it because I'm not going to do that math. Uh, but I think I'm going to say UTSA 26, uh, Temple 14. Temple's covering. Uh, 26-14, Yeah, it's, uh, that's a 12-point difference. I got nine. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a high spread for a 1-3 team, you know. <laughs> it's extremely high spread. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I don't know. Well, like we'll I see. said earlier, I think it depends on the style of play, right? Explosive plays, generate turnovers, get out there with the win, dominate line of scrimmage, which I think they will. They'll be all good. That's right. Any last thoughts, Adrian? Birds up. All right. Before we go, I want to say thank you to our big money donors on Patreon Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez, and Reddy Road Grillers, the Bunch Family, Zach Spedicueta on the San Antonio Podcast Network. The Fox family, Alejandro Benavides, Dan Nerdall, the host of Around the Birdbath. Uh, he actually just had an interview with Luke Malone. Now that Ooh. Luke has wrapped up his first season of professional baseball play with the Boise Hawks. And, you know, I I have listened to Luke on so many interviews, podcasts, I've like read a lot of articles about him. And I still learned so much about Luke and Dan's interview, uh, which is the sign of a uh, strong one. So shout out to Dan. Thanks for Luke for coming on. Uh, thank you to Jacob Cavazos, board president for the UTC Alumni Association. 
Maddie and Mandy and Jenna and Andy and Zaldua and Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code UTC once Homefield to get 15% off your first order or 10% off if you're a returning customer. So thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh, go get us on social media, follow us, screenshot us, whatever you want to do. Uh, we'll see you guys back for the bonus episode this week to talk about the student fee vote. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for another episode.